Welcome to the Kingdom at Hand from Hosanna Free Lutheran Church in St. James, Minnesota. I'm Pastor Joe Faldet. Today's sermon, we're going to be looking at Gideon, and we're going to be calling it The Lord is Peace, and we pray that God would bless you through this. So today's sermon is going to be from Judges. Judges 6, verses 22 through 24. They read in Jesus' name, Then Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord, And Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace be to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is Peace. To this day it still stands at Ophra, which belongs to the Abizrites. Let us pray. Father, as we come to study your word, I ask that you would bless us. Help us to see and understand what you have, Lord, and to apply it into our lives that we might live it out, Father, that we might live it out to the glory of your name. Lord, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as we get started, this is still during the coronavirus quarantine here in the state of Minnesota. And so, I'm preaching to an empty church facility, but by the grace of God, the Holy Spirit is still able to work. Uh, and we're trusting the Holy Spirit to work even through these messages into people's lives. And so as, as we've been going through the book of Judges uh, and having all of these sermons, this is where we end up for this Sunday, which I think is ironic because this is what we need. Uh, we're in a day and age where we need peace. And here we see that the Lord is peace. And so what, is, what does that mean? What does it mean that the Lord is peace? Well, part of this means that the Lord wants peace. Like that is what the Lord desires in us and for us and towards us. He desires peace. How do we know that? We know that because it's the Lord that approaches Gideon. Now, when, the, when God sends his angel to Gideon, Gideon's just out there doing what he does. Gideon's out, well... Not very well, because he's threshing wheat in a wine press. But the Lord sends the angel to Gideon. It's not that Gideon somehow figured this out, figured out how to really appease God. It's not that Gideon somehow was sorrowful enough, or was wise enough, or was knowledgeable enough, or finally had prayed long enough, or fasted long enough, or he had done something enough. It's not that Gideon had finally become enough, that he had enough faith. That if he just finally had enough strength or that he had uh, so little doubt that God finally, that he was able to approach God on his own terms. No, that's not what happened at all. What happened is that God approached Gideon. And that's what God's doing still. God is the one who is approaching us. God is the one that's seeking us out. God is the one that's working in this world. God is the one that's calling us to repentance. That is God desiring peace with us. Because it's not God who sinned. Now when I sin against my wife, not that that ever happens, um, but when I sin against my wife, actually it does happen, who is responsible to mend the relationship? Me. I'm the one that broke it, therefore I'm the one that's responsible to mend it. I'm the one that sinned. 
I'm the one that's supposed to come to her. I'm the one that needs to apologize. I don't tell her to apologize for causing me to sin. That's ridiculous. We wouldn't do that. And so what do we do? If I've sinned against my wife, I'm called to repent. I'm called to come to her and to seek peace. Because I'm the one that sinned against her. I'm now in her debt. Did God ever sin against Gideon? Has God ever sinned against us? He might not do what we want, but when we want something that he doesn't want, when we want something that's inherently bad for us, that will damage us, that will damage my relationship with myself and with others and with him, with this world, God doesn't want those things in my life. God would never drive me to damage myself. God would never drive me towards that end. He would never drive me to contradict scripture. God would never do that. And so God never sins against me. It's I who sin against God. I do that which is evil. And I do that which is evil in his sight. But God approaches me. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's what we're told in the New Testament. That's what Paul tells us. While we were still sinners. It's not once we get this figured out. Then Christ died for us. Not once the Jews became holy enough or, you know, Pax Romana finally had swept through the empire. Then, then it was time for Jesus to die. No, it was while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so it's God who approaches us. And you know what that should do to us? It should really cause us to trust God. Because what do I have that I can give to God? You know, oftentimes when someone approaches me on the street, it's not to give me something that would be to my benefit. It's to ask me for something. You got a dollar? You got a smoke? <laughs> I don't smoke. Uh, I sell them carry cash. So, you know, when people just randomly approach us, when they seek us out, when they pursue us, it's usually because they want something of us. But what do we have that we can give to God? You know, what, what do I have that isn't already God's? My money? Does God need my money? No. My time. Does God need my time? No. Does God need my strength? Does God need my talents? He's the one that gave them to me. He could take them from me and give them to anybody else. God could do that. He is God. I have nothing that I can offer to God. People say, well, you have your heart. God doesn't need me. I don't have any leverage against God. So why is God coming to me? Why does God approach Gideon? God approaches Gideon to bless Gideon. God approaches Gideon to strengthen Gideon. God approaches Gideon to call Gideon. Had Gideon said, no, God, I'm not going to do it, I bet God would have went somewhere else. God approaches Gideon because he loves Gideon. God approaches Gideon because he's got a good plan for Gideon. God approaches Gideon because he loves Israel. And so that's why God approaches us. So he says, won't you trust me? I'm not here for my sake. I'm here for yours. I'm the one that's coming to you. I'm calling you to repent for your sake. I'm calling you to confess your sins for your sake. I'm calling you to be in relationship with me for your sake. Because you need this. This is what God is saying to us. And so he says, trust me. Rely on me. Call out to me. I am God. And that's what God is calling to you today too. Through the story of Gideon, 
God shows us his love because he approaches Gideon. Even though Gideon doesn't have the right to be approached by God. Gideon doesn't call God to himself. Gideon doesn't have any leverage against God. But God seeks out Gideon and so God is seeking out you. And I know that right now because you're hearing this. If you weren't hearing this, I couldn't say that. But since you're hearing the word of God right now, I know that God is calling out to you saying, walk with me, trust in me, look to me. Our second point is that God brings peace. But the Lord said, well, okay, so starting in verse 22. Then Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. And Gideon said, alas, oh Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. So Gideon is terrified because he realized that he has now seen the angel of God. But the Lord said to him, peace be to you. Do not fear, you shall not die. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but that's not the angel. Because the angel of the Lord disappeared with the fire. You know, when the fire came up from the rock, the angel of the Lord vanished. So there's nobody there. And so Gideon says, ah, what's going on now? Gideon hears a voice from heaven. Peace be to you. The Lord said to Gideon, peace be to you. This is a declaration of peace coming from God. So God declares peace into this world. That's the same thing that the angels did when Jesus was born, right? And peace among men. The angels are declaring peace into this world. They're saying, let peace go forth. Have peace. That's what God is saying here to Gideon. Be at peace. And it's like, why? What does that mean? It's like the idea, God loves you. Well, what does that mean? God wants peace with you. Well, what does that mean? This is a declaration. This is God's desire. This is what is true. God desires peace. And so, what do we do with that? We really can't do much with it unless there's a promise tied to it. Something that defines it. What does that mean? Here God says, peace be to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Now this is a promise to Gideon. I, I can't, and this is a specific promise because we learn later that Gideon dies. You know, he doesn't die in war. He doesn't die when he's fighting the Midianites. But uh, he does die. Uh, in, let's see here. Yeah, the death of Gideon at the end of verse or chapter 8. We see that Gideon died. So God's not saying that Gideon was going to live forever, that he was going to exist, you know, on this world for the rest of his life like some Highlander out of that terrible 80s movie, or group of movies. But rather that, that Gideon wasn't going to die at this moment. And so there's a promise in that. So why should Gideon have peace? Just because God says he should have peace? Well, yeah, but how do you apply that? How do you live that out? You tie it in with the promise, you shall not die. This isn't going to kill you. And so what do we do with that? What do we do with that as Christians? So God says peace to us. 
Jesus says, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. So Jesus gives us peace as well. What does that mean? Well, the peace of Christ is in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's in the forgiveness of our sins. I'm not going to hold your sins against you. It's the promise of Christ. That's our source of peace. It's the love of God. The love of God that comes upon us because Jesus has died for our sins. Because Jesus has shed his blood to take our sins upon himself. He became a curse on our behalf. And then, not only did he take our sins, but he gave us his righteousness. He gave us all the good things that he had ever done. He gave us himself. He gave us his sinful, sinlessness. He took my sinfulness and gave me his sinlessness. And this is the promise of God. This is what God has given. And this is why God says, be at peace. Bad things are happening, God. God says, But it's not because I hate you. It's not because I'm angry with you. It's because I love you. Well, what does that mean? Well, your sins are forgiven. If you trust Jesus, your sins are forgiven. If you look to Jesus, you confess your sins to Jesus, they're forgiven. But God doesn't hold them against you anymore. God's not man that he should lie. God says, I'm not going to hold your sins against you. I forgive you. So then I can have peace and I can walk with Christ. I can bring everything to God. I can say, God, I'm I'm scared because of this. God, I'm I'm terrified at this. God, I'm worried about this. God, God, this is this is going on. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to make this decision. I don't know how much toilet paper we need for our home. You know, I don't I don't know. I don't know. I can bring those to God because now I'm at peace with God and I can bring anything to Him. God, I'm struggling with this. Whatever that would be. And that's the relationship that God wants. It's a relationship of peace. A relationship of friendship. This intimate relationship that happens when we know that that God God desires my best. How do I know that? Because he's already forgiven me my sins. And he's given me the grace of Jesus. That which Jesus bought on my behalf. God has given to me. And so as I walk with Christ, I don't walk with Christ in this fear or this dread, but I can walk with Christ in this trust. Because I know that he loves me. And I know that he cares. And I know that he's with me. Because he has promised. And he always fulfills his promises. So our third point is peace and fear. But the Lord said to him, Peace be to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there, and the Lord called it, The Lord is Peace. Or, and Gideon called and he called it, The Lord is Peace. So what is fear? Is fear in and of itself bad? No. I can't say that it is. You know, we are to fear God. God doesn't call us to do something that's evil. And so fear in and of itself isn't evil. Fear is something that is is an emotion that's based upon a belief. I kind of think that all emotions are to some degree based upon beliefs. Um, I'm not going to get into that, into my thoughts on that right now. 
But fear is the belief that something is going to stand in the way of me accomplishing my goals, me accomplishing my desires. Uh, that's what fear is. Fear is that, that dread that something's going to stand in my way, something insurmountable uh, that I see, you know, what are people afraid of? People are afraid of losing their job. People are afraid of dying. People are afraid of public speaking. Uh, people are afraid of all sorts of things. And those fears. So if I'm afraid of dying, then what's my goal? Well, if my goal is to live forever, anything that would cause me to die would be something that I would be afraid of. If my goal is to, um, to accumulate all the wealth that I can, then anything that would cause me to die would get in the way of that. If my goal is to live life to its fullest, then anything that would cause me to die would get in the way of that, and I'd be afraid of that thing. So I'd be afraid of that because it might cause me to die because dying will get in the way of what I want. And so fear actually becomes a tool. Fear can be a tool for me. I can use my fear. Because I can look at the thing that I'm afraid of and I can discern then my path. Like, What is my goal? If I'm afraid of this thing, where, what am I trying to get to? So here I'm in St. James right now, north of St. James is Godal. Uh, south of, well, we'll just go east of St. James is Grogan. And so if the road to Godal is blocked for whatever reason, but I'm going to Grogan, does that potential road blockage, does that cause me any fear? No, it doesn't matter. I'm not going that way anyways. But if I'm trying to get to Godal, then that roadblock causes me fear because I can no longer get to my goal. I can no longer get to Godal. If I'm going east, what's happening north doesn't matter. But if I'm going north, then what happens north matters. So if I'm afraid of something, I can take and look at that thing that I'm afraid of and I can ask the question, why does this cause me fear? What am I aiming for that this thing makes me afraid? So, so as I was preparing for this sermon, I sat down and spent some time in prayer and I said, okay, God, what am I afraid of? Honestly, I could say there is a fear of death in me. Why am I afraid of dying? Am I afraid I'm going to go to hell? No, Jesus died for me, man. Jesus lives in me. Holy Spirit's there. My sins are forgiven. The righteousness of Christ is mine. I don't, I don't fear for heaven. I don't fear that I'm going to miss heaven. Christ has promised it to me. And I trust Jesus. Why do I fear dying? So I had to pray about that. It's like, okay, God. Why do I fear dying? And it struck me, the reason that I'm afraid of dying is because I don't want to let down my family. I don't want to make my wife raise my kids on her own. I don't want my children to grow up without their dad. I don't want that. I thought, well, that's kind of noble, isn't it? Hmm. Depends on what you do with it. So what do I do with that fear? Does that mean that I, you know, make sure that I lose weight and 
lift weights and exercise and eat right. And like, well, that fear is driving me to do those things. But that's not the only reason I do those things. Um, I need to bring that fear to God. Because you know, it's God that I can trust with providing for my family. It's God that I can trust with the raising of my children. Even if I'm here, I still have to trust that God is going to use me to raise my children, to provide for my wife, to assist her. I have to trust God because when I put that burden upon my shoulders alone, it's too heavy for me because I'm going to fail. So I have to surrender that fear over to God. Say, okay, God, why is, why is this fear in me? What is this fear? It's fear for your family. Lord, I give you my family. I ask that you would provide for them, that you would bless them, that you would train them. Lord, and I ask that you'd use me to do that while I'm here, but I give them to you. And you know, as I do that, it alleviates my fear. Do I want them to have to figure out their own way? No. I want them to seek God. And that requires me. If God sees that requires me dying, I'm going to trust God with that. So I take that fear and I surrender it over to God. And I say, God, you are the only one that can really accomplish this goal. You are the only one that can do this. And so I can take that and I can surrender that to God and say, okay, God, you have to do this. Because I can't trust myself. But I can trust you. And that's how the peace of God, because now I know, I know that God loves me, that God cares for me, because God sent Jesus to die for me. I know that. I trust Jesus. So I know that God's love for me is real and is right. And so then that thing that's causing me to fear, I can give that over to God and say, okay, God, what would you have me to do And if this is what you'd have me to do, you need to accomplish this goal. You know, this is what I tell people when they're they're struggling with, say their marriages, they're struggling with parenting. Surrender that goal to Christ and then surrender and then walk in the means of Christ. What would Christ have you do in the meantime? How would Christ have you act? What sort of father ought I to be? If my goal is that my children would grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord, what sort of father ought I to be? If my goal is that God would bless my wife, what sort of husband ought I to be? If my goal is that God would bless my parents and and walk with them, what sort of son ought I to be? My goal is that God's congregation here would be blessed and would grow. Grow not, not in numbers, that's not my goal but grow in depth and grow in love for the Lord, what, what sort of pastor ought I to be? So then I take that and I say, okay, God, you need to accomplish this goal. I'm going to do my best to walk in righteousness. And when I fail, I know that you will forgive me. So I'm going to trust you to forgive my failures as I strive to walk the way you'd have me do, to do what you would have me do. To live as you'd have me live. And so then I, that fear becomes a benefit because it teaches me what's really important in my life. 
And if that thing that's really important isn't actually all that important, maybe I need to surrender that too. So you know what, God? Having having more money than than my neighbor, that's not really a good goal. That's just covetousness. Forgive me for that. But if it's a legitimate goal, God-given goal, you surrender that goal over to God and you walk in the means that he has given you. Allow him to deal with the fear of it not getting accomplished. Walk in the way he'd have you to walk. When you fail, ask for forgiveness. He'll forgive you. He already has. He wants you to ask. Bring it to him in confession. And if you don't know the love of God, ask him. Say, Lord, I am a sinner. And I need your grace. I have failed time and time again. And I need your forgiveness. You have promised that Jesus has died for me. I trust that. Confess that to God. Take that step of faith. And make him the leader of your life. And walk in his righteousness. May God bless you as you learn to use your fear to drive you into a deeper relationship with God. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Gideon. We thank you that the Lord is peace is a truth. Lord, it's a reality that you want peace with us. Lord, that you bring peace to us. And that you teach us to walk in peace using our fear to grow our peace. Father, we thank you. Guide us in your truth now as we live this out. In Jesus' name, amen. This podcast is being posted the week before Holy Week. And so I want to take this time to encourage you to prepare your hearts for Easter. There's a reason that we have Monday, Thursday. There's a reason that we have Good Friday. There's a reason that we are in Lent. And the reason for that is to prepare our hearts for Easter so that we might be excited for the resurrection of Christ. Uh, take time to worship. Take time to remember. Take time to read the accounts. Uh, we're going to be posting a Monday, Thursday service on our podcast. Um, and we're going to be posting that on our YouTube site. So you can check that out when that comes out on Thursday. Uh, and that's an opportunity just to go through the story and remember what God has done. Remember what Christ is doing. Remember the reason for this season. Remember really the reason that we're Christians in general. Remember why we worship on Sundays. Because that's the day that Christ arose. And indeed, every Sunday is a little Easter. And so, take this time and prepare and worship and glorify God. And if you'd like any of this content, uh, continue to check us out on our YouTube site, uh, Hosanna Free Lutheran Church. Or you can look at our website at www.hosannafreelutheran.com.